Welcome to the Adoption Today podcast. I'm Carrie Wilds. I'm Karen Lear. We do real talk on adoption and this journey called parenting. Welcome to episode six of Adoption Today. Today we have an awesome guest for you guys. We're very excited. Yeah, and it's actually our very first guest. She wins prizes. We're not sure what they are. Bonuses, Um, definitely. Sure. So (laughs) um, I just wanted to introduce her real quick and then we'll we'll get her on here. Um, Mary Anderley is from Houston, Texas, and I met Mary about 10 years ago. Uh, when I was living in Texas with Scott and we were kind of going through a rough period because we were doing infertility treatments at the time. I was having a hard time with Texas itself and we had some family members with um, some pretty bad health problems going on. So Texas was not being very kind to me, but Mary, I met through a Bible study actually, was lucky enough to meet her and a couple other awesome people. And they just kind of took me under their wing and were so caring and loving. And in that season of my life, I really needed friends and they were just awesomely supportive people. So when I found out that she was fostering and being a foster mom, I thought that makes perfect sense because she is an awesome person. So having said that, Mary, are you with us? I am with you. Hello. That was a very kind introduction. Thank you. (laughs) Well, that's very true. Well, I just like don't hate on Texas. Awesome. <laughs> that word, the word awesomely. We need to add that to the urban dictionary. Did I say awesomely? Yeah. yeah. Um, I like it. You know, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> say things. Um, it's a good word, though. Yeah. No, I, you know, I know you love Texas, but, you know, Texas and I are at odds. But you and I are not, so. Okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm really excited about this one because um, we're going to be talking about Mary's experience, personal experience, being a foster parent and kind of some of the nuances that go into that, which is near and dear to my heart as well. And I feel like we want to have um, on this podcast a lot of guests like that because hearing those personal experiences and how it really happens and how it really works, I think is so important because those aren't the things that you learn in class or that, you know, DCF is going to tell you. So these like actual personal experiences are like real life how it is. Yep. Yeah. So thanks for joining us. Yeah. So um, we, I gave a quick background on you, but I did not bring everyone up to date on your current situation. Um, you actually have three children living in your house currently and a husband. Correct. <laughs> yes. yes. Tell us, tell us about your family, like your kiddos, your husband, okay. all that fun stuff. Cool. Okay. So um, my husband is an engineer. We met in college, um, got married right after, and we have two little boys, um, Jake and Drew, that are eight and almost seven. Um, And then we have our foster baby who is going to be nine months old next week, another little boy. So we'll call him Baby B for the time of this podcast. You have three boys right now. I am boy track. Yes. Oh my gosh. So you're like queen of the house. It doesn't what, feel like um, it all the time. What kind of engineer is your husband? I'm he, an engineer also. Oh, so. he's a mechanical yeah. engineer. Oh, yep. where did he go to school? We, he went to Texas A&M. We both went there. Um, oh. I'm an accountant. He's an engineer. So we're just, 
both a little nerdy up there. Ooh, but, um... I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like nerdy. Yes. That's I'm good. an industrial engineer. I, we, I went to Purdue. So. Oh, perfect. So you um, get it. Yes. Accountant and engineer. Yes. That is definitely numbers in <laughs> nerd at heart like myself. So but we're I love fun. That. I promise. We're fun. <laughs> they are. I can vouch for That's that. what I always tell people because I actually own a photography company now. So people oh, are always like, okay. oh. You're an engineer. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, she's I, a jack of all trades. Exactly, really. but I like to. I am fun too. I totally agree. <laughs> and what are you guys so up funny. to? Th- what are you guys up to this summer? Any summer plans on tap? Hmm. We are. It's going to be a different summer having a baby with us. Um, mm-hmm. So that will be interesting. But we are going to go on a family trip to go tubing on the river. I don't think the baby will be tubing. Um, but. <laughs> Down in South Texas. I think that will be fun. And my big boys do swim team. So we really enjoy that and just being outside in the pool. And I Staying just want to figure cool. out a way. Yes. I just want to figure out a way to stay cool and sleep in sometimes. Oh, and man. I'll be happy. I love it. Yeah, me Ooh, too. Sleeping in. That's, that sounds like Tell me how a vacation in itself. <laughs> so how, how long, I know this is your, this baby is your second foster placement, right? He well, it's actually our third foster placement oh. and our fourth baby, but it's been oh, definitely wow. been our longest term placement. So, so when did, how long has he been with you all? He has been with us since birth. Um, he was born in August and we, as y'all mentioned, I live in Houston, Texas. So there was a hurricane named Harvey oh, that yeah. hit, if anybody is familiar with that. Yeah. Um, oh. But he, I think we got him on a Friday when he was two days old and then Hurricane Harvey hit the next day, maybe. Is That's a blur. right. <laughs> you, you're, you're like, go big or go home, right? I know. Like, and I tell all the challenge. Everybody was so worried about us. But honestly, a newborn baby was the easiest thing to have because they don't require a lot. Just sleep and food and diapers and that's it right. so it was almost easier to get him at that age than have a three-year-old thrown in the mix while oh, we were I've... without power and you know all of that so that's a really good point yeah that's yeah and what led what led you guys what I mean you have biological children what mm-hmm. was the motivation to be a foster parent you know it is something that we have always wanted to do I remember my husband doesn't remember this but I remember being on a date in college and looking at him and I really thought this was going to be a make or break thing with him I was I said I don't know if I want to have my own children like birth my own children I said I really think I would rather adopt and he was kind of like well like, I would like to have my own kids, but I, I like the idea of adoption, too. And I don't know where that desire came from. I think I've always just wanted to be able to help advocate for those who don't have anyone to advocate for them. Um, I had some times in my life where I kind of felt like I didn't have that. And so it's always just been on my heart to do that. And so, you know, fast forward until, you know, a few years later, we, we had our kids. And I remember when we got pregnant with our second one, I was thinking, I cannot believe this. I've ruined it. We're never going to be able to adopt. And it was so funny back then, just not knowing. We just, we still didn't know the ins and outs of everything. We we just knew it was a desire on our heart. And I think it really was a reminder that of how sweet God is and that it is his timing. I mean, we would have been a hot mess if we would have started the process back then. Um, we started looking into it when our second child drew, when he was about a year old. Um, and then that door was shut for a little bit, which again, I think was a blessing from God. And then we just started meeting 
all sorts of people in our lives. I'd meet someone at church. I'd meet someone at our school who was a foster mom or who knew someone that fostered. And I started getting connected with all of these people and all of these resources. And I could just see God working through that because we were able to kind of just sit back and watch other people on the journey uh, until we were ready to say, okay, we're going to start the process. And we, you know, it just kind of went from there. I think that's awesome. Uh, we've talked about it being a journey. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely is. And you're, you're totally my spirit animal. You, are. <laughs> oh, boy. you guys have a lot in common. We do, we do. Cause it, it was the same, same with us. And we actually became foster parents first mm-hmm. and then we adopted our girls. So we don't, David and I don't have biological children, but same, we had the same exact conversation and I felt the same way. Like when we got married, um, and then just from fostering and kind of seeing, you know, that what the need is, my husband was totally on board with it. And then, you know, we adopted the girls and hopefully we're going to be foster parents again. So awesome. I totally understand. So yeah. you mentioned, you mentioned you had some resources and you were looking, you had a little bit of a community. Well, you have a, a great, big, awesome community in Texas, actually. I know that, but, um, what what is your support system like what how does how did your community react when you were like hey we have this idea and here's we're going to be foster parents what was the what was um, the <laughs> well i will say that the reaction was not not as we had hoped um from everybody it, it was funny because you think this is an amazing wonderful thing like how could people not be on board and it's just mm-hmm. kind of like you know, I feel like if you get in a car accident, or if you break a bone, like everybody comes out with all these horror stories of how when, you know, they did this, this happened, when they did this, this happened. And so I feel like people, they were supportive, but they were, had a lot of questions. And, you know, are you sure that this is something you want to do um, to bring in your, to bring in your house another child? Or what do you think this is going to do to your boys? And it was, I was, remember being just frustrated with all of the pushback because of course we were going to do what we felt God led us to do. And I totally appreciate people telling us how they felt, but I was just surprised that more people, you know, weren't like, yes, we think this is a great thing for you to do. We're, we're totally supportive. Um, I think it's because there was a little bit of fear and skepticism and people love us and uh, for me, I've never looked at as looked at it as taking away something from my older boys. If anything, I think it has added to them so much. And I would much rather them be kind and accepting and to care about those that are quote unquote less than than to have good grades or be the best on their sports team. Or I don't, I don't care about all of that. I just I want them to learn to open their hearts to others as well. And so I just kind of saw this as a way that we as a family um, could do this and change lives for the better. Yeah. And I think that's actually, that's one of the reasons for me personally, why um, when our girls are a little bit older, I definitely want to foster again because our friends that foster that have older kids, just their demeanor and the way that they love people is totally Mm -hmm. different. You know, it's like, it's, Mm -hmm. you can't really describe it, but they, they have, you know, allowed kids into their heart that their parents have brought into their home and mm-hmm. have lost, they've lost some of them, you know, when they leave. But, um, you know, it's, I, it's just like a totally different mindset. Well, it is. And we knew our oldest, probably when he was, I don't know, two, three, four, somewhere around there, he would say things about, he would ask about children who didn't have parents. Well, where do children live that don't have parents? And he just, 
it, it just, it, every, it would amaze me every time, like what God is working on his heart in some way. And I remember him saying, well, if they don't have parents, why can't we be their like family? Why can't they live here? And still to this day, he, he wants like 10 more foster kids to come live with us. I don't think he realizes how crazy that would make me, (laughs) Um, but it's so cool because they, they have just loved every single child that's come in our house, good and bad. And so it's really neat to see their hearts grow through that process. That's, that's great. I think that's so sweet. And I think it's true because they, they see it. They don't have any stigma with it. They just, right. think, this is cool. And they'll probably always feel like that because of the mm-hmm. example you guys, you guys have set for them. I hope um, so. I, I think, I think that's like a fear a lot of times people have and why a lot of times why people don't become foster parents is because they're mm-hmm. afraid of what it's going to, how it's going to affect their own kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it really actually makes them better people. I feel like, you know, so Absolutely. it's like a fear and kind of going along with, you know, like what we were talking about, how people kind of respond to things. It's, I feel like it's one of those things where people don't know a lot about it. So when you don't know something, you're afraid of it and you make things up. Yeah. And say that. Well, and you hear the horror stories. Too. Exactly. Yeah. So you, yeah. So you don't hear the good things. So, yeah. you know, it's like one of those things you just make things up and you're, and you're like, right. well, that's not really true. Like, where did I come up with that? <laughs> right. Self-deception. Right. Yes. Bad thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think when, when God truly calls you to it, then he opens all those doors for you and provides you with the community and provides you with the support and the open hearts of everybody in your family. And it's just it's really neat to see how he's worked. So, oh, that's great. That's very cool. Does your church have like any kind of support group? Or are you in any different groups for foster parents? Um, there are. I feel like I have several friends that do. So we kind of have our own, I guess, support group, um, which is really cool. How you know, I keep people just keep being brought into my lives, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I actually adopted my kids. Or, oh yeah, I'm fostering them. <laughs> Uh, there's a really neat organization where we live called the Moses Closet, and it is a place where people can take donations of new and gently used baby items, ranging from like diapers and formula and wipes to clothes to baby gear and toys, and it's all free for foster parents. Um, and that was really cool, and I felt really guilty about going to use it at first just because a lot of times when you get a placement, I mean, it's been different with every single one we've had. Sometimes you get like two hours notice. Sometimes you may get two days notice. Um, and so it's neat to have that because like when we got our baby now, I was like, we don't have any baby things. We gave them all away. So I was able to run there and get like a baby swing and a rock and play. Um, you know, I can't think off the top of my head. What all we got? You know, yeah, but just all that formula. Yeah, it was there. And yeah. the stipulation is just bring it back when you're done so that someone else can use it. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, so every once in a while I take stuff back and then I get new stuff that we need. So it's really cool having that um, and just knowing that there's so many people supporting us in the community. Yeah, that's awesome. Does it have, um, is there a link, like a website for that? Or if you can give us information, we'll we'll post that in the notes notes so that people can click on it. And if they want to donate or, you know, check it out, they can. They have a Facebook page so I can get you all that information. Awesome. That'd yeah, we definitely have here. There's um, Hillsborough HCFPA is the oh, okay. Hillsborough County Foster Parent Association. Too. Yeah, and they have a clothing closet there. And same thing, like when you get, because that's something that people don't think of is like right. when you set up 
your age range, like same with us, like we, all we had was a crib and a car seat because we got licensed for two and under. So Mm -hmm. when we got, we just waited because we're like, we don't know if we're going to get a two-year-old or baby. So we got a call staying like you of, we got a two day little girl, two day old little girl from the hospital. So I just told my friend and she literally like rounded tons of stuff up. And in like a day or two, we had everything. Yeah. And that is our friends are awesome and how they've supported us because last summer we had um, two sisters that stayed with us. They were 18 months and four months. I think we maybe had a day's notice for them, Um, but it it, it was a lot, you know, having two kids that are so young. And I was like, I don't have any girl things at all. Well, luckily I have lots of friends with daughters that have grown out of all their cute girl things. And so I just remember thinking like, oh my goodness, I need pajamas, I need clothes, I need bows, because I'm a boy mom, so if there was a girl in our house, we needed bows. Um, that was probably the biggest emergency. <laughs> oh, um, we need lots of, lots of bows, for sure. Yeah. And it was amazing how people just, I think people just want to get rid of their stuff. They want someone else to be able to use it, you know? So everybody just showed up with things. Um, some of our friends set up a meal calendar. I mean, gosh, if you know anybody that fosters, a meal calendar is so important. Um a lot of, and it's different with every single placement, but with those girls, neither of them slept. And for the first two weeks, it, it was, you know, uh, every two hours, one of them was up at night. And so we were walking zombies. Um, and I think I had thought, oh, well, I've, I've, I'm a mom. Like I've done this before. It's not going to be a big deal. But when you get two at the same time, and then you're also talking about children that have come from most likely from trauma situations, um, may not have had any sort of bedtime or had anybody put them to bed, you know, you can't just expect them to walk in your house and be like, okay, lights out at seven, see you in the morning. (laughs) It's not how it works. And it's kind of a rude awakening. So it really helped to have meals and just that extra support, which is the gear and stuff when I couldn't possibly get to the store with everybody. That's very encouraging, I think. Yeah, no, I think that's, I, I mean, that's definitely, you know, what you have to have in order to do it. And I think that's also a really good point of, what we don't, what you don't normally think of is, you know, you're, you're a foster parent. And when you get a call to take a placement and you say, yes, that child is coming to your home because they were either abused or neglected for a ridiculous amount of time, or they were in such an unsafe situation that was detrimental to their life that they couldn't be in it anymore. So it's not like these kids are like, you're, it's not like you're a babysitter who is like, oh, I'm going to hang out with them for, you know, a couple of days or a couple of months or whatever. Like there's serious reasons why yeah. these kids cannot be with their parents. And there, you know, there's a lot of trauma that goes into that. So it's not, it's not easy and, you know, it wasn't safe for them to be there. So, you know, they've been taken from the people that are their parents and they have to go with somebody else. And that's really difficult for them. It's very traumatic. And if I can be a little bit honest, um, which I like to be honest, um, I remember like watching here. <laughs> I remember watching friends of mine who had fostered. I'm like, oh, their kids are so sweet. Like I always wanted to play with them. I just thought it was amazing and romantic and I, you know, all of these words. Um, and then when we got our first placement, it was a three-year-old boy who we only ended up having him for a week, but was he was aggressive. He had been removed from his home and didn't understand why. And, and if you put yourself yeah. in their place, you absolutely understand why they behave the way they do. You can't 
remove a three-year-old from everything they know and expect them to, you know, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, to behave, you know, no, it's, it's, it's wreaking havoc on their lives. And I remember just, you know, I'm so fearful when he arrived. And then I think every day I just cried and cried and I was miserable. And I was thinking, this isn't what I thought. This isn't what I thought. Um, And this isn't to talk anybody out of it or scare anybody, but I think it was, it just really reminded me why we need the prayer and why we need the support and why you go to the training because I thought, oh, I don't need anybody telling me how to do this. Like taking care of a kid, I can do that. I've done that twice. But when you throw in all of the emotional ties to everything, and then if you've had older kids, especially going to a parent visit, the day that we go to the parent visits is awful because there it brings more confusion you know yeah they they don't understand what's going on and so I remember just just sobbing it's like I can't I cannot do it I was miserable and I'm like I'm not supposed to be miserable this isn't how it's supposed to be and you know it's been and I think for me that was because it was our first placement it was just such a shock to my system and it's gotten better each time where I went from fearing the phone calls you know I'd see them come up on my call ID and be like oh I'm not gonna answer I'm not gonna answer I'm gonna see what they leave in the message (laughs) so I can have time (laughs) to process this Um, so then with the one we have now I mean we were so excited and happy and he is just he is so he just brings us so much joy and I think with each time we've just seen God work through that because he's taken the fears that I can't do it and I'm not good enough and the guilt that I feel, you know, from maybe the other kids that we had that didn't work out, he takes all that and works it for his good. Because now we have a beautiful baby who, you know, whether he's with us for one year or for the rest of our life, you know, we've been able to have that experience um, with him. So, yeah. So talk, talk a little bit about the process of in tech, and I'm interested to hear too, um, because I only know the, the laws in Florida and each state is different, but walk us a little bit through the process of like, you know, now he's in your house, then what happens? Because then like, you know, then there's a case plan and then there's visits and different kinds of things as well. So how does that usually work in Texas? Like once you get a placement, then what happens? Okay. Well, I will tell you, I am not a professional at any of this. So, <laughs> well, we want the actual, yeah. like real life, normal people's terms. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Break it down. I, yeah. I will do my best. So the agency that we work with actually is not a CPS agency, which is Child Protective Services. Um, we are a lot of the placements, the volunteer agencies. So a lot of parents, like if they just really need help, a lot of our homeless, you know, they bring their kids and voluntary sign them over into foster care. Sometimes CPS is involved, sometimes it isn't. And so that had been how our previous placements came to be. Um, With our current placement, CPS had him removed at birth, but then kind of gave mom the option. You can put him in one of these voluntary agencies or we'll take him into our custody. So when we got him, it was just through the agency. Um, CPS became involved a couple months later and they then took custody of him. Um, And once they do that, well, I mean, from the beginning, we've had, it it really depends on every situation is different, what I've learned, but we'll have parent visits. Um, We do ours every every other week or two times a month. It kind of just depends Um, for an hour. And we go to our agency and we meet. And so I've been able to form a relationship with our baby's biological mom, which I think is really cool. And 
I think we have a unique relationship because we've been able to do that. And I've gotten to know her and she's gotten to know me and not everybody likes that, but I have really enjoyed getting to know her in that way. Um, and once CPS kind of took over, they have what's called status hearings every few months. Um, they will establish a permanency goal or a, a family plan, like what they want to happen, whether it is family reunification, which means going back home with the family. It can be adoption by a different family member, adoption by an unrelated family member. I'm sure there are more um, things that they will essentially give mom or dad a service plan um, and they work through those different services and if they're successful over time then they're able to transition into getting their child back and if they're not then it transitions into whatever the permanency plan is does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah definitely How, how long um do they typically create those plans for do you know like the time frame texas will give parents a year okay and so but from my understanding is after that year, then the parents could request a, an extension, which I think maybe they'll give for an extra six months. So basically the process, especially if it's going to lead to the road of adoption, is really um, long. <laughs> um, yeah. It is, and, and granted, every case is different because a lot of times I ask questions and they're like, we can't compare to this, we can't compare to this. Um, a lot of them are open and shut and babies will be adopted when they're six months old and some of them at three years old. So, um, I can't really give the specifics of our case, but I, from my understanding, you know, children will have a permanency hearing once they've established a permanency goal. Um, then they'll check back in and have another permanency hearing in three months. And then after that, they'll have a trial where they decide, is the child going back home? Are they going to stay with a current family? Are they going to go to another family member? And then just getting to that point takes about a year. Okay. That's pretty similar to like what they say here. Um, okay. But it usually does get drug out significantly longer. Um, yeah. In Florida, unless... Um, unless it is like a super dangerous situation or an upfront termination of parental rights. Um, But especially when there's siblings involved, it can get strung out Mm -hmm. for years because then each baby that they add to the case adds another year. So here it takes some, I mean, it it takes so long, like the whole year, like that's actually the law is like within a year, there should be some type of permanency plan, but there's Mm -hmm. so many circumstances that make it way longer it's just not it's just very slow yeah and the whole system is just very frustrating because you know a lot of the workers and caseworkers they're overworked they're underpaid um there's just not time to adequately follow up on all of these kids and the court systems are overloaded and so there there needs to be reform I don't know how and I don't know where that starts um but I think it well, I think it starts with raising awareness. Um, yeah, because there needs to be change. Yeah, I think it's it's one of to me it's one of those things like I've spent many sleepless nights like like it's one of those things that keeps you up at night that you're like yeah how is this possible 
that yeah. that kids are like treated this way in the US like how is it a thing but I feel like you know it's all you know like CPS and DCF whatever it's all funded by taxes so we're all paying for it so right. I don't feel like anything is going to change unless all, like tons and tons of people demand it to change it's just not right yeah and I think too though I think what you guys have done and are doing is another way to change it though. That's mm-hmm. Oh, know, definitely. Because this wasn't really a thing back when we were kids. I don't remember anyone really that I knew that was fostering. So I think you guys are actually part of the change because the more people oh, that can see, you. Hey, this is doable. Hey, this is something that, you know, we're being part of the solution. You are, you're being part of the solution. Um, but well, and you don't, and you don't have to foster 10 children, right, you know, right. if you want bringing one child into your home could change the trajectory of not only their life, right. but their children and their children. And then before you know it, it's an entire generation yeah. um, of children and not everybody's called to foster either. Right, yeah. um, respite care, yeah. respite care is so important. That's how we started. Yeah. Tell and us, that is basically tell us just, a little bit about what respite is because people won't really know that term. Yeah. Respite is awesome. And what happened was a good friend of mine was fostering and she was like, look, you have got to fill out this form so that you can help watch these kids for me. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'll fill it out. You know, we didn't know anything about it, but, um, respite care basically just allows it's babysitting for foster families. Um, whether it is, it's usually over 72 hours what they consider. So if the foster family just needs a break, um, if they go on vacation and cause a lot of times you can't just, you can't just take your foster child anywhere. We have to ask for permission for everything, everything. Um, and so, you know, let's say travel wasn't approved for the child or they, it just wasn't feasible to take them. Um, you can put the baby in respite care. And hmm. so like we had gone on a ski vacation earlier this year and was not going to work to take like a three month old baby there. So he stayed back with some friends of ours who are respite care providers and it gave us a week break to just really focus on our big boys and, you know, just, just focus on them for what they have done. Um, and we also got a break from the sleepless nights and everything. So it was really awesome. And we were able to do this for some friends of ours. Um, and I think that is almost what, what proved to us that we could do foster care. Mm -hmm. Um, because we realized that we, you know, we could love other children coming into our home and whether it was just for a weekend or for a week, um, it was such a huge help and blessing to our friends who needed the respite care. And it's very minimal. Every agency is going to be different. For our agency, you had to get a background check, fingerprints, and a TB test at the doctor. And that's all you had to do to do respite. And so it's a minimal commitment from that end. Um, we didn't have to do a ton of training, but it kind of just opened our eyes to how the system worked. And I I think I got to take some of the kids to a parent visit one time. So I got to witness that. And so it was an easy way to dip our toes in the water. That's amazing. I I was not familiar with that at all. But I think so for people who don't know, because I I don't know, um, you said you basically filled out a form. How how does somebody get connected with that if you want to try and do that? Well, I know here it's different. Um, They've actually changed it quite a bit in terms of making it easier um so like before for you used to have like have, used to have like licensed babysitters mm-hmm. um but they have changed it here to where you they don't have to be anymore I don't even know that they have to have a background check they just have to be trusted 
like a list of people that you have that, and they might do a background trusted check. Trusted by the family. Yeah, trusted by the family for babysitting, but then for respite, um, I know that's kind of like here they had they had stopped licensing people just for respite, just because mm-hmm. it was so much work to get them licensed, and then they already didn't have enough licensed foster parents anyway. Oh. So, but I know there's a lot of people who there's people who just do respite. So basically, they're doing that. So they're only, they're licensed as foster parents here, but they're only taking short-term placement. Gotcha. So it's like, oh, you know, like your family's going on vacation for, for a week to Europe and the kids need a week, you know, a place to stay for a week kind of thing. So, um, you know, here in, in each area, it's going to be, it's going to be totally different, but you're right. That is like such a great way of how you can kind of support try it and support it yeah. and not, mm-hmm. you know, necessarily step right into being like, oh yeah, I'll take sibling group for <laughs> right. a year <laughs> kind of thing. And even if you don't do respite, just being a babysitter. So for us, a babysitter is someone who watches the child for less than 72 hours and respite mm-hmm. is more than 72 hours. And oh, so okay. several of our good friends in our neighborhood got and for the babysitting, they only needed a background check. So several of them submit submitted background checks because they people kept saying, I, I would love to be able to help you. You know, I'd love to, you just be able to grow the grocery store by yourself or if you need a day to yourself, or if you want to go out on a date night. And so we've had a ton of people just volunteer to get the background checks done so that we can do these things. And so it's really nice having that because what we didn't think about is, you know, let's say we were going to go out a date night. Well, we can't, we can use our regular babysitter for our boys who's a teenager, but we can't use that person for the baby because for us, um, our licensed babysitters have to be 18 and older. So then it was like, oh, geez, you know, trying to figure that out. Um, and so a lot of times where, you know, the boys will be one place, the baby will be another place, but it's, it's worked and we have figured it out. And I just have to remember for every rule and stipulation there is in foster care, there is a reason why it is a rule. Um, and so we just do our best to respect that and try not to get frustrated and anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of frustrating, I know both of you have told me the exact same thing, which is, I find kind of. Um, funny because maybe you are spirit animals I don't know Um, we are (laughs) but both of you have said that people have said to you something along the lines of I could never do that I don't know how you do it and and that doesn't really that's not really one that's not really helpful because (laughs) what that's doing and two you're not super people you have feelings you I mean you're super people but you're not superheroes um (laughs) you know you have feelings it hurts just as much it's just as frustrating for you as it would be for anybody else right yeah I think one of the most angering things really really just try to keep it in perspective and realize it's not where they're coming from but people who say I can never do what you do because I could never give them back Mm -hmm. well I mean, I don't sign up for foster care because I want to love all of these kids and then give them back. I mean, that's not what we do, but we have to trust that since God has called us to this, that he will carry us through any pain along the way um, from our obedience to him. And it's not any easier for me to take care of a child and give them back. And so I think it's, I was having this conversation with a friend the other day because we said, you know, people do this all the time, you know, oh, I could never have a special needs child. I, I don't, I could never live if I lost a child or if my parent died or yes, you right. can, because there's no other choice. Right. Um, there isn't. And so you're right, Karen, it's not helpful, <laughs> but I think people just, they don't know. And instead of saying, you know, I never could do that. Just say, Oh, you know, I'm not called to that, but I'm so glad that you are. 
Um, or what are, what are ways that I can help you with this? Like I said, even if it's just bringing a meal or buying an extra pair of diapers, you know, when you're at the store, just support them and love them and pray for them because we're all called to do hard things in a different way. And it's, I mean, I just, it is what it is. Like we're not any different than anybody else. I have very emotional days about this where I, I cry and I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. And the unknown is so scary. But then it'll go away and I'll feel like somebody must have prayed for me because, (laughs) you know, I've got my strength back and I can do this again. It's just day by day by day by day. Wow. That's, yeah. What a great perspective to have on it. I really think. Yeah. And I think, and that is, and it's one of those things that, that you don't, like your perspective is, I mean, definitely like spot on, like, you know, totally how it is. And, and there's, it's just such a narrow road that not that many people do that, you know, like you said, people just don't understand and you can't fully understand it unless you're actually doing it. You know, I did not understand it. Once I became a foster parent and once we had to let our first placement go home, I apologized to one of my friends who is a fellow foster parent. And I said, I am so sorry. I did not understand. Um, she had two baby girl twins that she had they had gotten at birth and they unexpectedly went to a family member at nine months old. And I, I did not even come close to understanding the pain that they were going through. Um, and just, um, I just remember thinking I should have done so much more to help. And she's like, it's okay. You didn't know. Cause you don't understand, you know, until, until you're in it, it's just, it's really hard to explain. And I think that's with anything in life, you know, it's, oh, yeah. But it's just, I think, community and prayer and friends and just have, knowing you have the support is so important. And if you don't have that, I encourage you to find a support group in your area or get connected. Message me or Carrie or Karen or anybody because there are people out there who have been through the same thing. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. Um, it's crucial to have that support. Just like with anything in parenting, you need Mm-hmm. You need support. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think also too, it, you know, people around you that are, people are watching you. Like mm-hmm. my, when it happened to us, like my husband is on staff at our church and there really was, there's people, there's foster parents, but like people saw, like they were, they watched it happen and you don't really realize like how many people are watching and it, it gives mm-hmm. them a glimpse into a world that they might have never chosen to see or be a part of, but now they are because you're there being an example of it, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. So beyond the, the support of the community, um, what would you, what would your advice be um, if we haven't touched on it already to somebody who is like, you know what, I have been feeling like God's leading me towards this and I really want to explore it. Is there anything else that you would give out as advice? I just think that, don't, don't go into it alone. Make sure you ask all the questions because that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and if you start doing it and it's not for you, that's okay too. You know, I think that it's been, it took us a long time to figure out what we wanted to do. And, you know, we even went back and forth, well, maybe we just want to mentor teens or maybe we want to work with kids who have aged out of foster care. Or maybe we want to work with the mamas who have put their children in foster care, you know, we, we didn't know what we wanted to do. And I remember thinking, I failed. I don't know what to do. I failed. I'm not listening to, um, to what we've been called to do. But it was really just, we had to wait for several different doors to shut um, so that the right one could open. And so, 
And I just did that by finding information and talking to people and meeting with them and kind of just quietly observing what was going on um, with other people. And it, it doesn't hurt to just ask questions and go to an orientation with a local agency and see what you think. Yeah, no, I think that I think it's definitely like getting started, which yeah. I think that's the hardest thing is to get to get started. So for your area, because where in Texas are you? Uh, we're in the Houston area. Okay, so if you're in the Houston area and someone wants to look online and say, like, where should I take class or how should I get started? Like, where would people go to just get that information? Because we'll post we'll post some links for people who are in the Houston area. Okay. for sure. Um, yeah, I can send you a name of some. There's Arrow Family Ministries. We have one called Grace Manor out where we live. You can uh, foster straight through the state through the child protective services um ours is called loving houston adoption agency i think if you just google what's in the area for us we wanted a faith-based um agency and mm -hmm. there's some you know if you want to only foster there are probably better ways to go and if you want to only adopt there may be better ways um, and better agencies to look at so i think those are all those are all okay questions to ask. And when we went through the orientation for our agency, I remember thinking, well, like we were kind of like, sounds good. And they kind of gave us a checklist. It was like, I guess we'll start working through this checklist. And it took us, I probably could have worked a lot faster, but it took us about six months. And then it was kind of like, well, we're done. Ready or not. Here, Here we, we go. go. <laughs> how, how quickly after you got licensed, did you get um, your first placement? Um, we, we had our first placement pretty quickly, but that was a little boy who only stayed for a week. And then we actually went about two months without, without hearing anything. And I think that's actually quite, quite rare. Um, mm -hmm. we expected to get licensed and like, just have the phone ringing off the hook. Um, at the time, our agency just wasn't getting a lot of calls for whatever reason. So it was about two months later that we got the two girls that I spoke about earlier, um, they went home at the end of July, 2017. And I had told them like, please do not call me for a couple of weeks. I need to process this yeah. um, with more children. And I think we, and then after that, we had three calls for, for little boys that I said no to. And then the next one was the little boy we have now. So it's funny how um, I didn't have a good reason for saying no. It just didn't feel right. And I can't really explain it beyond that, but I'm so glad that we said yes and we did because he's been the perfect fit for our family. Mm -hmm. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And we'll, we'll have to, we'll keep in touch yeah. and we'll have to see like where this journey ends up taking you. I would love him. that. I would follow that. up. Yes. Yeah, that would be, that would be amazing. So you all are open. If he does need to be adopted, you all are open to adopting him. Yes, Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So that would be, it's always interesting to see like how it goes because, you know, it can change on a dime and like you can be headed in one direction and then the next day it's totally different. Yeah. And the unknown is really challenging. So that's why we are just yeah. so appreciative of the people that do pray for us. Um, and I'm always surprised because I'll get a message from, you know, somebody I haven't spoken with in five years and they're like, I've been watching your journey on Facebook and I've been praying for you. And like, wow, that is so powerful just to know that there are people out there thinking of us when and, and praying for us when we may not necessarily be able to do it for ourselves because some days it's just hard 
Well, we are definitely in that group who is praying for you. Yeah. Thank and you. hoping that baby B ends up where he needs to be, where God wants him to be, and that you guys are, you know, are okay with the end decision as well. I, I know you, you will be. Thank you. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, I'm so you. glad to get to talk to you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for, you know, sharing your story and being open. And I, I feel like it's so helpful for people to hear personal stories are by far the most important way that people get involved. So we really appreciate you um, taking the time to be on with us. Of course. Well, yeah. thanks for having me. My first podcast podcast. I can't even say it. So. <laughs> <laughs> now you're a professional. So yeah, you professional know, don't, podcaster. Don't get... <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But Adding yeah, that's my so resume much. now. You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Good idea. Thank you so much. And we will, uh, like Carrie said, we'll check back with you and we'll, we'll find out what the uh, updates are. Sounds great. Thanks, ladies. All right. You guys have a great day. Y'all too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you all for listening to episode six. And the topic that we talked about in a personal foster story isn't the same as adoption, but it is a huge part of the whole world and process of how you can adopt as well. And there's over 500,000 kids in the U.S. that are currently in the foster system. So the need for great foster parents and support of those foster parents is really, really huge and something that's near and dear to, to our heart and a lot of people that we know as well. Yeah, I learned a lot actually in today's episode. Yeah, so I thought that was great. really cool about respite care and just babysitting and how you can help and be supportive. Even if you can't foster, there are other ways to help. Um, join us next week for episode seven on Monday. We will be talking about Carrie and David's foster care journey and the whole experience that they had. Thank you guys so much for joining us. See you later.